Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Good morning. The Hoyts, Team Hoyt they call themselves. The Hoyts are one of my most, for me anyway, one of my most inspirational uh, stories of working together and needing each other. Isn't it a blessing that we don't have to do this alone? Amen? That we don't need to do life alone, we don't need to travel through trials and struggles alone, and that we don't need to celebrate alone either. In fact, uh, you may have heard in the news something very opposite from this story of a gentleman who, I believe it was in the Ottawa area, was stuck in his home all winter long. Anybody see that that story? And uh, the neighbors, I guess after a few months, thought, hmm, he doesn't seem to have come out yet. But apparently a real recluse, and so he was living off of canned beans and things is what he was doing, uh, by choice. And I would suggest that that is not how God has designed us. God has designed us to thrive together. Uh, Triathlon is one of my favorite sports. And uh, five and a half years ago, I managed to complete one full Ironman, and I've I've done a few half Ironmans. Uh, But what blows me away is to watch Dick Hoyt pulling his son in the water for four kilometers. All right, it's only 3.8. But four kilometers in the water, pulling his son, and then 180 kilometers, 180, 180 kilometers, pushing him on the bike, and then running a marathon, which is 42 kilometers, all in a day. And if you don't do it in in a certain period of time, it doesn't count. Uh, there's another video, and actually put on by the Iron Man group, and it's, it's to an old, powerful chorus, I Know My Redeemer Lives. And uh, what a beautiful, beautiful, incredible testimony. Uh, one of the things, actually they don't do that much anymore, if at all, because the father, Dick, is, I, just, I looked him up this week, he's 78 years old. Um, Not that you can't run when you're 78. I just think it would be hard to pull him in the water um, at any age. But one other significant part of the story that isn't told in that video is that prior to their participation in what ended up being over 1,100 events of different distances and, and, and kinds, one of the very interesting things is that Dick's father, the father's doctor, had warned him that if he didn't start taking better care of his body, he was was in great risk of heart damage. And these two things came together where there was, as as the video read, how Rick is is the heart, the son is the heart, and father is the body. And let me also say something about the son Rick. Rick ended up getting an undergrad degree. So trapped inside of that body, is a very active, vibrant mind. 
And sometimes people are sold short on that sort of thing. So, so Rick got a, got a, a degree, and then the work that he has done with, uh, he went on to help continue to develop devices to help people with conditions like his to be able to communicate through computer. So praise God how he does those sorts of things. As we continue in our series on healthy community and one another phrases from God's word, uh, we come this morning to spurring one another on or spurring on one another and encouraging each other. They really go hand in hand. Uh, And the Hoyt father and son duo really illustrate well, I believe, two important aspects of this. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. But there's the one aspect of encouraging, and there's the other aspect of poking or prodding, uh, of of even inciting. And I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later. This morning I'm going to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Uh, near the end of the New Testament. And this letter is rich because this letter ties together the Old Testament sacrificial laws and their fulfillment in Jesus, declaring Jesus as our one and only great high priest, the one that we need, the only perfect, sinless high priest, the only one able to be a single sacrifice as the payment of sin for humankind. And we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are a broken humanity and that we are no less now, with all of the advancements of technology and science, that we are no less in need than we ever were, no matter what people might say, of redemption of help, of healing, for brokenness to be healed, for payment to be made for our imperfection, and not just our imperfection, but our sin and our opposition to the one holy true God who loves us desperately and showed that through the death of Jesus, just as we sang about, and as we will have the joy of celebrating at the end of the service with communion today. And so the writer of Hebrews, uh, chapter 10, Let me invite you there if you want to look it up as well. And the verses will be uh, on the screen for us. But Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. Having written about Jesus being our high priest, and so much more, I encourage you to read Hebrews. In fact, I I encourage you to read the whole book uh, of the Bible, of course. But having said those things, he writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we now have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. That simply means that in the temple, and previously the tabernacle, there are three parts. There's the outer courtyard, and then there's the holy place. We talked about this a number of weeks ago, but there's the holy place where the priests do their service. And then there was, in the back, there was a, a 30 by 30 room, and that was called the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And only once a year was one person allowed to go in there, and that was the high priest. And he would go in there covered in blood with fear and trembling on behalf of the people of Israel, seeking God's grace and atonement. Well, Jesus, on the day that he was crucified, there was a huge curtain that separated the middle room from the back room. It was 30 feet high. 30 feet across, and some would surmise that it was between 2 and 4 inches thick, not easily ripped. 
But when Jesus was on the cross from top to bottom, not done by human hands or human construction, that curtain ripped from top to bottom. Amen? And that curtain represented, the writer will say so here, that curtain represented the body of Christ broken for us, torn for us, and that's what happened, that physical representation of the reality, the literal reality of what Jesus did in the spiritual realm was shown physically by that mammoth curtain. Praise the Lord, what God did, God's the one who ripped that curtain from top to bottom, and we say praise his name. We now have confidence to enter that place. We can go boldly. We can go with our prayers and our petitions and our praises. We have been given authority by God that was never had before to that extent for the entire community of believers. A new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, Let us draw near. And we'll come to the other verses soon. Jesus on this earth was a great encourager of people. Jesus had no problem going and spending time with the suffering, with the persecuted, with the minimized, with the discriminated. Those people who were outcast by the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus had no problem at the same time, while he would encourage, on the other hand, he had no problem calling calling out the pride, or the dullness, or the fear, or the lack of faith, or the bad behavior of his disciples. And so those people that he walked with, he had no problem because he was instructing them as their rabbi, as their teacher. But he also had no problem calling out the religious leaders. And calling them for what they were in their self-righteousness, believing that they had arrived when they had not, because they needed to be broken spiritually, as we all do, ultimately, that we would come humbly before the cross and leave ourselves in all that perhaps we've accomplished, but all that we are before that God who says, I have given my all for you. And all I ask is that you give yourself back and I will give you abundance. I'll give you spiritual abundance even now. And I will give you abundance for all of eternity. Praise the Lord for the promises that he has made in his word. And with the spirit of Christ in us then as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, we will model the same that Jesus modeled. That we can be encouragers and we can also be probers and pokers and we can call people out where we have particularly where we have trust you may have heard just this last week that our high school wo got on the news Uh, unfortunately it wasn't for its great basketball teams that some of our uh, or any of our athletics that some people here are involved in but because of a verbal scrap between some students that included a racial slur that should never have been said. And we don't know what else was said, but I expect there were probably some other things that were said that shouldn't have been said. And as I was thinking this week of Hebrews 10, and of our message last week, last Sunday on forgiving one another, I just thought, 
and particularly while I was while I was praying here this week. This is what the church is about, which is reconciliation. This is what the church is about. This is what Jesus is about. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to reconcile a broken, fallen world back to the Father and to restore that relationship. I am concerned that in our North American world, uh, we've been so influenced to take offense more quickly than we're influenced to personally reconcile. And make no mistake, there are times when we are legitimately offended, and we talked about that some last week. And when we are legitimately hurt, and when damage is done, and there are many times in our society when we we have been almost coached and modeled to take offense, but much more quickly than what is modeled for us to personally reconcile. And so I encourage students at school, Colleagues at work, members of families, neighbors, and as the church. That reconciling is surely about at least two things. Recognizing the wrong, not ignoring it. Because reconciliation does that. Reconciliation recognizes where there's a problem. And then reconciliation finds a way to forgive and restore the relationship. Would you say amen? Because there is a, I believe there is a spiritual release. And there is spiritual power where there is reconciliation. And some of you have probably experienced that. The incredible freedom that can come when reconciliation takes place. And again, let me say, sometimes it doesn't come easily. And it requires the intervention of the Lord and the submission of the hearts of everybody involved in order for forgiveness and reconciliation to truly take place. But we have been called ministers of reconciliation. And so if we take that into uh, into society, into our spheres of influence, then all the more that lifestyle of reconciling is going to be more and more like breathing in the life of the church, isn't it? It's just going to be a way of life. It's going to be a way of life in our families. That, that where, where somebody offends, there will be apology and it'll be genuine and there will be forgiveness. And that'll just be part of the, almost like breathing and part of the life of the church as well. And that's possible because together our identities do not start with the word I or the word me. Uh, Mark said to me, interestingly this week, Mark who, who led our music this morning, said, you know, it wasn't, it was difficult to find a lot of songs that are about us. And that's because we live in a very individualistic society. And even a lot of the songs that are written today, which are beautiful uh, songs of praise to God, but they're very much about that personal, which is important. But that personal is not more important than the collective. And so that's why we, and and so much of of Scripture, especially the New Testament, most of it is written, the letters, most of them are written in the plural. It's about you or yous. My father would would not want me to say that. (laughs) Having been a grammar teacher, he was, but you get the point. I like to say that the end of all of our names, the end of your given name, the end of your... 
or your given names, the end of your surname or your surnames, if you share them, that at the end of all of your names, at the end of all of my names, we put another name, which is really our identity. You might like to, a, a different name, but the name that I think of is that at the end of my name, that my name is Randall Keith Raykopf Godchild. Or in German, it's, it's Gottes Kind. That we are, ultimately, our last name really is Godchild. And that for all of the identity that we might develop in, 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 in our human lives, our most important identity is that we are in Christ and that we belong to the eternal loving Father of heaven. And so our last name ultimately, for all of the joy and the pride that we might have or perhaps that we might not have in our names, ultimately we belong to God and our last name is God child. We've been given a new identity, a new nature, a new authority, a renewing mind, and promise after promise of spiritual blessing as we engage in that relationship with God and as we engage in that relationship together. And as we engage in the relationship with those around us, that they would be influenced by that person of Jesus. And then the next verses will ring true, Hebrews 10, verses 22 and 23. So let us draw near to God, let us draw near to God, with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, undivided allegiance, sincerity, no pretense, not just a habit, but learning more and more what that authenticity is about. Full assurance of faith, no hesitation in trusting in and following Christ. And that's about allowing him and saying over and over, day after day, Lord, increase my faith. Lord Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Lord Jesus, give me more of what you need to give me and what you desire that you know I need. And teach me to pray. Heart sprinkled from a guilty conscience. Freedom from guilt. Based on Jesus' sacrifice and his shed blood. We are free from shame in the name of Jesus. Bodies washed with pure water. Inner cleansing symbolized in the Old Testament by the priest's washing. Symbolized now in baptism. And continuous purifying that takes place, that's called being sanctified, sanctification, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that we are set apart, sanctified in our position before God, and then our lives gradually and continually reflect that in our conduct as we allow the Holy Spirit to be in control. Now let me stop and say something about baptism. On Easter Sunday, we're going to have a baptism service. We better have a baptism service. I'm sorry. The reason I say that is because we can't have one if nobody wants to get baptized. And then we'll just have an empty tank of water. Um, But but let me encourage you this way about baptism. I'll do my little bit of prodding right now. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have never been baptized, I do believe, and I don't say this with a 50-pound Bible to make you feel guilty, I say this as an encouragement that I really do believe 
that baptism is truly a step of obedience. And that the early church and the word of God makes it very clear that, that when people believed, then they were baptized. And then what's important for the church is that we are intentional about discipling people in their faith in Christ. Amen? There are many people who have walked for many years and said, I, I haven't been baptized. I'm doing okay. Uh, I don't need to be baptized. I'm waiting for God to tell me to be baptized. Well, let me suggest that God has told us to be baptized. So if it weren't clear in his word, then I would understand if we would say, well, I'm waiting for some direction from the Lord. And I get that. I totally get that. I ask the Lord uh, oftentimes for direction. But because his word says, believe and be baptized, we're not waiting for God to tell us to believe. Because God's word says, believe. And so we, we really ought not to be waiting for God to tell us to be baptized because God's word tells us to be baptized. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you want to be praying about baptism, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not playing a psychological game here because this is often how I will pray. If I believe that there's, that there's a course of action that I should be going, because God, God does give us wisdom by his spirit to make good decisions, then what I will pray oftentimes is, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, will you please make it very clear? And I would encourage you that that be the prayer. Because God's word says be baptized, then I would encourage you to pray, Lord, is there any good reason why I shouldn't be baptized? And allow him to speak to that question. I want to encourage you. Now, Pastor Wayne's going to be away for a week, so I'm going to, I'll give you his cell number if you want to talk to him about baptism. No, you feel free to talk to me. Uh, feel free to talk to, to an elder. But, uh, but, but my door is open. My, my, my cell phone, I, I don't know if my info is, on the, is in the bulletin, but my email is interim, I-N-T-E-R-I-M, interimpastor at hotmail.com. And you are welcome to, uh, to email me. You are welcome to, to text me at 226-748-3107. Say, what was that? But you can call the office for my number too. Because I'd be very happy to talk to you about baptism. And the other thing about baptism is that I really believe one of the greatest joys of baptism is that I encourage people, whoever had the greatest or has had the greatest spiritual influence in your life, you might consider that that is the person who would baptize you. It doesn't have to be an ordained pastor. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? I think I am. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Because I have seen fathers baptize their children. I have seen mentors baptizing mentees. And I strongly encourage that. Or you might ask for a pastor to baptize you. Praise the Lord. That would be great. But we want a celebration on Easter Sunday. There is no, in my view, there's no better day to baptize people because of the symbolism of being resurrected in newness of life and our sin being washed away from the water of baptism. So we look forward to that. Let us hold unswervingly to hope, confident hope, anticipating hope. 
Isn't it great to know that we're not alone? There's one, uh, one commentator, one, one writer, Donald Guthrie, he wrote, Those who discover a new approach to God through Jesus Christ also discover a new relationship with one another. So the next two verses from Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, as you see from the signs of the times that the Lord will be returning. We don't know the day or the hour, but He will return. And He doesn't want us sitting idly by. You know that. He wants us rather to be His ministers of reconciliation and to be deepening our relationship with Him, and giving Him praise and glory, and letting that flow out into other relationships. Encouraging is about giving assurance, reassurance, support, hope to those around us. Spurring on is about provoking, sharpening, stimulating, stirring people up, even inciting, but only in a good way, not inciting to violence, but inciting people. Encouraging and and, and spurring on are like a spoon and a fork to me. We don't have to argue if the chunky soup is better with the spoon or a fork. We can use them both. The spoon is like that gentle scooping of encouragement. And the fork is like that poking that we sometimes need. Don't you dislike when somebody pokes you with a fork, especially when their bacteria are on it? And sometimes we are the ones who need to be that poking uh, in love, that poking fork. And we are always to be those spoons of encouragement. As you think of, even as you look around today, as you think of brothers and sisters in Christ, you think of the people who have been an encouragement to you and that you have been an encouragement to, that is spiritual life. Think of your family too, your friends, your neighbors, your fellow students, your co-workers. God is putting people in your life and in my life, bringing across our paths people to encourage and to be encouraged by. And I know from personal experience that so many of you are so very good at encouraging, and I thank you for that because I have been so encouraged by many of you. Well, I haven't done this in a while. Uh, so uh, who this morning? So this week there's a seniors uh, due on Wednesday event. Uh, who's involved in seniors ministry this morning? Or, oh, don't be so shy. Awesome. Will you show your appreciation to them today? Amen. Now also, I've asked somebody to uh, just, just give a, a little uh, testimony this morning how she's been encouraged as a leader at WCMC. Over the last number of months, months the, the leaders of church ministries have begun meeting together in order to update each other on what's going on, in order to look at calendar and share dates together, in order to be on the same page. And it's an absolutely fantastic uh, idea. And I want to thank Mark Dom for his passion that he and the board have and the staff have for developing leaders and investing in leaders. And so this group has been called the Ministry Council. And this past Thursday, I would say it was a really encouraging time 
for those of us who are part of that meeting. So I have asked Wynne Ross, who is the chair of our Global Missions Committee, to uh, just to share because during that meeting I watched and I heard her enthusiasm and her joy as she as we sat around the tables as leaders together, encouraging each other and and planning and getting excited together about what God is doing and what God can do. Thank you, Wynne. Okay. So um, I just want to start by saying I'm really glad that we um, aren't called committees anymore, that we're actually ministries, um, because it just the two words just make such a difference. Um, so I'm, I'm the team leader of the Global Missions team, and um, I guess six to eight months ago, um, I was feeling like I was on an island, um, that our ministry was on an island by itself, and it wasn't Hawaii. It, um, yeah, um, and then um, in October, I guess we, uh, I was invited to the, be part of the ministry um, council, and at first it was like, oh, now another meeting I have to go to, right? Like, um, and I was stressed about doing that. But we've had three ministry council meetings now, and the last one was so encouraging because um, finally it wasn't like I was an island or our team was an island. There was a bridge built, and not just a bridge built to one mainland, but a bridge that would reach to all of the other ministries. And finally, um, a light went on that we are all in this together and um, we don't operate separately, that the, um, the hospitality ministry is very much a part of the global missions ministry or the, um, the children's ministry where we can be connected, we can count on each other. And um, one thing that happened when James Ferber was talking about um, the youth and I I remembered, and I shared this, I remembered, you know, a couple of years ago when I was in my teens, that, <laughs> yeah, thanks, um, that we could, we went out as a group of fearless teenagers, and we could go into the malls and sing worship songs because we were together, we were a unit, and we could do that fearlessly. Mm-hmm. And I really felt in the council um, meeting that we were having, the ministry council meeting, that it that was representative of what we can do now as leaders and with our groups, that we can go forward fearlessly. And, uh, yeah, I was so encouraged. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Give God glory. Amen. We need to hear those kinds of things because God is at work. I believe that. And God is at work among us uh, together. Fathers and mothers and grandparents, let's continue to tell our children often, I love you. And not only that, but things like, you are awesome because. There are too many children who have been told the very opposite. And not only that, but why they're awesome, that God made you and you are worth more than words can say because you are beloved by God. And you are to be in Jesus Christ. And he has called you like he has called precious little Sophie. What a wise name. 
Sophie means wisdom. Uh, what a great name for a baby. Uh, that God has his mark on her life already as well. My son, uh, our younger son, even as a teenager, I would often turn to him and I would say to him, you know, Jojo, you know what I don't like about you? Now, the first couple of times he was a little bit taken aback. Um, but then he, he knew what I would say. I would say, you know, the one thing that I don't like about you? And he'd say, what? Nothing <laughs> was my answer. There's nothing I don't like about you. I love you. And nothing will ever change my love for you. Every child needs not only to, to, to hear, but to see and to feel acceptance and encouragement. And we are called to train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and, and, and that child will not depart from it. And we take and we claim and we receive that promise from God. Spouses, spur one another on to love and good deeds that bring honor to God. Know what each other's dreams are. You know what the dreams of the people closest to you are? Uh, I really believe in encouraging those because if they are dreams that have been put in our hearts by God, then what a joy to help them to be realized. We need to be alert so that we can hear and be aware of where people are at and we need to be willing for some self-sacrifice to be encouragers and to spur each other on. It takes love and good deeds to produce love and good deeds because whoever has been loved much will be able to love much. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has planned in advance for us to do. And didn't Jesus do all that? In the triune God who lives in relationship and created us for relationship, humbled himself, lived a life of complete and perfect love and goodness, and made the greatest sacrifice, offering his life for ours to encourage and spur us on. For some interesting context, the, the first recipients of the letter to the Hebrews were believers in the early church who were, who were facing serious discrimination and persecution. They needed a spoonful of encouragement. And they also needed some poking with a fork because some of this, some of them were willing to turn away and walk away from their faith. Chapters 5 and 6, some very serious conversation about that. Don't give up the habit of meeting together was a reminder against complacency and a reminder against quitting and giving up. I think that was a poke with the fork. And we need it just as much today. Sunday morning is a fantastic and necessary time for brothers and sisters to gather together. And life groups are, 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 are a, a vital time for people to meet together for meaningful connecting and spiritual growth. So may we continue to be encouragers and to be prepared to do a bit of poking of people whose trust we have especially and surround ourselves with those kinds of people in our lives. A few that we can trust to prod us and then those who will encourage us because we are susceptible to so much damage, be it on social media or just driving our cars. And we need encouragement around us. As a leader, I want people I work closely with to be open to giving and receiving both with grace. 
Because it becomes pretty evident when you have relationship. If you take that step to prod or to poke somebody, you can tell pretty quickly how well they're going to receive it. And I want to be that example as well to all of those that I serve and that I lead with. Uh, this past week, I was informed of, I was, I was emailed uh, a dream from one of our intercessors. And I appreciate that. Uh, because the Lord speaks, the Lord wants to speak to all of us in different ways, not always dramatically. But this dream, I just want to share you a little bit about this dream. This dream is this person walked into a school and it was just filled with clutter in the entranceway and all through the halls. There were people in the building and they were just oblivious to the clutter. Uh, but she is not uh, a person who spiritually will stand still and just let it go. And so she was saying to people, we need to clean this up. And some people didn't want to be bothered with it. And some people were willing to be. But what's so relevant to the message this morning is that without that person being willing to say, look, there's a mess here. And I love saying, we need this mess to be cleaned up because if we don't, well, in the school, you can't walk the halls properly. You'll just be tripping and stumbling and, and kicking. And the same way spiritually, if we have clutter in our lives, it will affect blessing. Uh, it will affect our ability to move forward spiritually, individually, and potentially as a church. And so we want the clutter out of our lives. Amen? And so we need each other. And I, I, I wanna, I, I'm, I'm grateful to Betty for that dream and for sharing that dream. Because it is a good reminder to us as a church, a reminder from the Lord about keeping our, our records short, our accounts short with each other and with the Lord. And keeping things clean, keeping confessed, keeping that reconciliation and that freedom so that we can walk the halls of life and we can walk the spiritual halls of life without any clutter in the way and say, Lord, you take us wherever you want us to go. Praise his name. On Friday, uh, I met with a friend. Let me invite the musicians up. On Friday, I met with a friend. As, um, I have a couple friends like this, and we share our joys and our challenges. Uh, he's a pretty straight shooter, this friend of mine. And as I was sharing with him some important decisions uh, to be made, he was challenging me with questions asking me if I was sure I was making the right decisions. And he was doing that out of concern and love for me as a personal friend. And he shared this wisdom with me that I want to pass on. Just the day before we met, he had met with a mentor and had shared with his mentor just about how discontented he was with his job. Maybe you can relate. And he, said, he just said to his mentor, you know, it's a grind is the word he used. He said, just a grind of my job. And his mentor said to him this, and it just hit him. And, and he said, my mentor had told me this before, but I just hadn't really listened or heard it like I did this time. And the mentor said to him, I believe God has you where you are, not to be living in the grind, but to be living above the grind. In order that, you can be an encouragement to other people who are finding it hard to cope in the grind. 
Now that's not necessarily an easy message to take. Oh, no problem. I'll just live above the grind now. But he received that from somebody who he trusts spiritually very much. And he said to me, I have a new perspective on my work. Because he mentors a number of of men in his life. And he said, this word to me was just what I needed right at the time that somebody would poke me and say, don't feel sorry for yourself, but live above the grind so that you can encourage others who are in the grind. What a great word. Well, it's a hard word. But what a great word that he would receive that. I expect my closest friends to listen, to be honest, to support me, and to push me. I don't expect my friends to run interference for me if it means being dishonest. And for some people, that's what friendship is. Friendship is, you got to run cover for me because i got to cover this thing over and you got to stand beside me. That is not true friendship. True friendship is saying, we need integrity in all that we do and all that we are. This last slide is a wonderful little Nigerian proverb. Hold a true friend with both your hands. So we encourage each other and we push each other along and we prod each other. Our takeaway today very simply is let's ask the Holy Spirit for continued opportunities to encourage and be encouraged, to spur on, to poke and provoke and to be spurred on. Let's pray. Lord, I know you have spoken to me this week just so very much and that you do and you will and you are. You do speak, you will speak, you are speaking to us. And reminding us, Lord, as those whom you've called as ministers of reconciliation, that you have called us and that you are drawing us to not be alone. And Lord, I pray that as you bring to mind those that we ought to be encouraging or encouraged by, those that we we need to say a difficult word to in love or we need to receive something that was said that maybe we didn't take well, maybe it wasn't said well, that perhaps, or perhaps there's a relationship that we, that you've been at us, you've been gently reminding us that there's somebody that we need to go to and we need to set things right with healing. That we need to take those steps of restoring and reconciling. As I invite the servers forward at this time, I want to read to you and go back to Hebrews chapter 4, where the author is earlier on in his presentation of writing about Jesus being our high priest. He wrote, every high priest, no, he wrote, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and so that we may find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus paid it all and all to him we owe. Amen. Praise his name. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.